You're listening to the Jesus for Everyone podcast, a podcast where we talk about the intersection of faith and social justice and what a first century Jewish prophet of the poor from Galilee offers us today in our work of love, compassion, and justice. To support this podcast, go to renewedheartministries.com and click donate. It means that we can do with the Jesus story today what those in the first century were doing with the Torah. We can learn to interpret the Jesus story in life-giving ways. Welcome, everyone, to this week's episode of the Jesus for Everyone podcast. My name is Herb Montgomery, and this is episode 455. Our title this week is Safe for Everyone Interpretations and Practices, and our reading is from the Gospel of Matthew. This is Matthew 5, 13 through 20. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good works, your good deeds, and glorify your Father in heaven. Do not think that I've come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen, will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Therefore, anyone who sets aside one of the least of these commands and teaches others accordingly will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom kingdom of heaven. For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. So, so this week's reading is, is this gospel's collection of sayings and teachings that reflect um, the, the concerns and the experiences of many of the Galilean members of the Jewish Jesus community at the time of this gospel's writing. And to understand the phrase, let's just jump right in, that first phrase, the salt losing its saltiness. Understand how salt was harvested in in, in that region at that time. When, 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 when it was harvested, Salt was mixed with impurities or with other white-ish rocks, and these rocks were ground up into pebbles, and they were placed in a, a seasoning bag that could be stirred into pots as they were cooking, and once all the salt dissolved... Um, all that was left were pebbles that wouldn't dissolve, and these weren't salt. So this, this gravel, it was worth nothing but to be thrown out. When this passage was written, the Christian community, it, it must have been experiencing a, a kind of waning that would have uh, helped them resonate with this metaphor, that their salt was losing its, its potency. And the language of light on a stand or city on a hill, this language is, especially city on a hill, um, this is interesting too. And I, again, I side with those who date Matthew's gospel to uh, after Rome's violent destruction of Jerusalem. Jerusalem and its temple. The, the intended audience for this gospel, remember, for Matthew's gospel, is Jewish. It's the Jewish Jesus followers in a Hellenized region there in Galilee, and they they would have had both Jewish and Christian concerns, um, but but specifically Jewish anxieties, Jewish struggles as they 
piece together their purpose in life now that uh, now that Jerusalem and the temple were no more. The temple state was gone. So it's interesting to me that Matthew's author applies this language, this city on a hill language that, that would have been associated with, with the old Jerusalem to Jesus followers. For the author, these Jewish Jesus followers, uh, they were to carry on the hopes and promises that had once centered Jerusalem and the temple there. So let's let's look at some of those hopes. Let's look at some of those those promises and consider these passages from the Hebrew prophets. Uh, and in order to, to to kind of get our head around what these believers could have been wrestling with um, now that Jerusalem and the temple were gone, it's helpful to go back and, and look at what was actually written about Jerusalem and the temple. In Isaiah one twenty six, it says, "I will restore your leaders as in the days of old, your rulers as at the beginning. Afterward, you will be called the city." of righteousness, the faithful city. And Isaiah 26, verse 1, In that day, this song will be sung in the land of Judah. We have a strong city. God makes salvation its walls and ramparts. In Isaiah 33, 20, Look on Zion, the city of our festivals. Your eyes will see Jerusalem, a peaceful abode, a tent that will not be moved. Its stakes will never be pulled up, nor any of its ropes broken. In Isaiah uh, 60, verse 14, the children of your oppressors will come bowing down before you. All who despise you will bow down at your feet and will call you the city of the Lord, Zion of the Holy One of Israel. In Isaiah 62, 12, they will be called the holy people, the redeemed of the Lord. You will be called sought after, the city no longer deserted. And uh, Isaiah 2, 2 through 3, in the last days, the mountain of the Lord's temple will be established as the highest of the mountains. It will be exalted above the hills and all nations will stream to it. In Isaiah 2, 2 through 3, many people will come and say, come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the temple of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways so that we may walk in his paths. The law will go out from Zion, the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. In Isaiah 56, verse 7, these I will bring Bring to my holy mountain and give them joy in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and sacrifices will be accepted on my altar, for my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. So it's important to note that Matthew's gospel. It's referring to the community of Jewish Jesus followers now as a city on a hill, because this encouragement to them to, to let their light shine, this would have been relevant to them, once again, as they're grappling with uh, all of these things that were said about Jerusalem and now in the wake of the destruction that Rome had brought on, on that city. But we have to be very careful, too. This could very well be uh, the beginnings of, of the roots of the supersessionism or replacement theology that, that we now live with today. Supersessionism, remember, is the teaching that the Christian church has replaced the Jewish people as God's chosen covenant people. And, and two things about this teachings, I think, should give us pause. Uh, first, Christian supersessionism has a long history of, of harming the Jewish community. And, and its replacement seeds, the seeds that we're encountering in this week's readings, can be traced all the way down to the atrocities of the 20th century Holocaust in Europe. Super 
obsessionism is still dangerous and harmful today. And second, it's exceptionalist to imagine replacing someone else as God's chosen. This Christian belief, it sits at the heart of American history as well. American or America has has is referred to itself um, as a city on a hill. And this rhetoric is directly from this Christian theology that has its roots in our passage this week. And by all means, we should let um, the light of love and justice shine. I, I don't want to d- discourage that, um, but, but not at the expense of someone else. We don't have to demonize others to let our light shine. And that's that's the harm of exceptionalism. We're all God's children, each of us, and in, in, in all our beautiful diversity, we bear the image of the, the sacred divine. And rather than dividing a world where some are chosen and, and others aren't, History has shown us that it's much more life-giving to see each other as deeply connected members of the same human family. Our salvation, our our liberation, our our thriving is deeply connected to, and it's even dependent on, others' salvation, liberation, and thriving. If, if, again, if there's any such thing as salvation, none of us are saved till all of us are saved. And I don't believe the author of Matthew intended their words in this week's passage to set in motion any harm. I can see in my mind's eye that that their intention was being simply to encourage a community whose temple and city lay in ruins. But making the Christian church the new city on a hill, it has nonetheless done immense harm through the centuries. And today, given that history, again, we can do better. Uh, toward the end of this passage, Jesus speaks of not doing away with the law and the prophets. Uh, Jesus' focus on, on love and justice as the fulfillment of the law. Remember, that was very much akin to Hillel's same interpretation. It would have been deeply me- meaningful to, to Matthew's original audience. They would have been familiar with that. The tensions around debates over the, the, the perpetuity of the Torah for for Jewish Jesus followers, it had already arisen by the time this gospel was written. But but, but this offers us something meaningful today. The Jesus of the Gospels, remember, led a Jewish renewal movement, not a replacement movement. And that Jewish renewal was built on a foundation of interpreting the Torah. Remember, Jesus was Jewish. It it was on interpreting Torah through the lens of, of the Jewish ethics of enemy love and of inclusion and embrace of the outsider and economic justice for the poor and and more. This way of interpreting the Torah, it was not antithetical to the Torah. Think of the following passages from the Hebrew scriptures, like in Exodus 23, 4-5, if you come across your enemy's ox or donkey wandering off, be sure to return it. If you see the donkey of someone who hates you fallen down under its load, do not leave it there. Be sure you will help them with it. And and in Proverbs 25, 21, if your enemy is hungry, give him food to eat. If he's thirsty, give him water to drink. In Proverbs 24, 17, do not gloat when your enemy falls. When they stumble, do not let your heart rejoice. So again, enemy love, all of that was deeply rooted in in the the the, the the Hebrew uh, ethic, the Jewish ethics um, that had already been taught. Jesus's way of interpreting the Torah was one among many. And Jesus's way, it contrasted 
simply with other interpretations that were formal or that emphasized maybe strict ritual observances to, to practicing uh, as a way of practicing Torah faithfulness and in Jesus' own society. There was a lot of competing definitions of what it meant to fulfill the Torah or to practice Torah. And, and Jesus' way that he subscribed to and that he promoted was that in that way of interpreting the Torah through the lens of the golden rule of treating others the way that that you should be treated? But 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 again, it was these interpretations that Jesus's teachings they contrasted with, according to Matthew, uh, not the Torah itself, but ways that people were interpreting what it means to practice Torah. Jesus's way of defining uh, faithfulness to the Torah it, it, it would have also provided his followers, and this is where it becomes meaningful to them. It would have provided them with a meaningful alternative to the temple ritual now that they could those temple rituals could no longer be practiced love was what it meant to fulfill torah not sacrifice and burnt offering but again jesus's teachings they were not the only teachings offering alternatives uh, karen armstrong she gives us a, another example in her book the great transformation the beginning of our religious traditions and i'll give you the the, the references to those in this week's e-site but but she writes of this same time period in post uh, jerusalem post temple uh, during the first century in rabbinic judaism the jewish axial age came of age uh, the golden rule compassion loving kindness were central to this new judaism by the time the temple had been destroyed some of the pharisees already understood that they they did not need a temple to worship god as this talmudic story makes clear it happened that rabbi jehonim ben zakai went out of jerusalem and rabbi joshua followed him and saw the burnt ruins of the temple and he said, Woe is it that the place where the sins of Israel find atonement is laid to waste. And then said Rabbi Jehonan, uh, Grieve not, we have an atonement equal to the temple, the doing of loving deeds. As it is said, I desire love, not sacrifice. So again, uh, th this this way of interpreting Torah faithfulness through acts of love was deeply Jewish. And what does this mean for us today? Well, it means that we can do with the Jesus story today what those in the first century were doing with the Torah. We can learn to interpret the Jesus story in life-giving ways. We can listen to the world around us, and, and we can listen to the harm that previous interpretations have caused. We can, and we can think carefully. And not just theologically, but we can think about what our theological beliefs, what they do, what they mean socially, what they mean politically, and, and economically too. And, and like those grappling with the Torah in the first century, today we can grapple with the ethics of the Jesus story in our own cultural context today. And we can find more life-giving ways of defining what it means to follow Jesus. I'll close this week with these inspiring words from the rest of the above passage from Karen Armstrong, just because there's, there's such here, there, there's such an example here that, that, that I think we could uh, uh, um, just take to heart. It says, kindness was the key to the future. 
Jews must turn away from the violence and divisiveness of the war years and create a united community with one body and one soul. When the community was integrated in love and mutual respect, God was with them. When they quarreled with one another, God returned to heaven where the angels chanted with one voice and one melody. When two or three Jews sat and studied harmoniously together, the divine presence sat in their midst. Rabbi Akiba, who was killed by the Romans in 132 CE, taught that the commandment, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself, was the great principle of the Torah, and to show disrespect to any human being who had been created in God's image was seen by the rabbis as a denial of God himself and tantamount to atheism. Murder was a sacrilege. Scripture instructs us that whoever sheds human blood is regarded as if he had diminished the divine image. God had created only one man at the beginning, uh, at the beginning of time, to teach us that destroying only one human life was equivalent to annihilating the entire world, while to save a life redeemed the whole of humanity. To humiliate anybody, even a slave or a non-Jew, was equivalent to murder a sacrilegious defense facing of God's image. To spread a scandalous, lying story about another person was to deny the existence of God. Religion was inseparable from the practice of habitual respect to all other human beings. You could not worship God unless you practiced the golden rule and honored your fellow humans, whoever they are. Again, this gives us a lot to ponder. We could learn a lot from our uh, the, the, these Jewish traditions during this time period. In our own era today, Christians desperately need to transition to, to more loving, more compassionate, and safe-for-everyone ways of practicing uh, our own faith tradition. And it won't be easy work, but, but in the end, I believe it'll be worth it. Heart Group Application this week, share something that spoke to you from this week's eSight or podcast episode episode with your heart group and what are some of your experiences uh, for you personally with a the safe for everyone kind of changes and in interpretations for what it means to follow Jesus today and share some of those with your group number 3 what can you do big or small this week to continue setting in motion the work of shaping our world into a safe compassionate just home for everyone thanks for checking in with us today you can find renewed heart ministries on twitter facebook and instagram if you haven't done so already, please follow us on your chosen social media platforms for our daily posts. And also, if you enjoy listening to the Jesus for Everyone podcast, please like and subscribe to, to this podcast through whatever podcast platform you, you listen through. And consider taking some time to give us a review there if you can do that. Um, this helps others find our podcast as well. And if you'd like to reach out to us through email, you can reach us at info at renewedheartministries.com. And remember my new book, Finding Jesus, A Story of a Fundamentalist Preacher who unexpectedly discovered the social, political, and economic teachings of the Gospels is now available at RenewedHeartMinistries.com. Right where you are, remember, keep living in love, choosing compassion, taking action, and working toward justice. I love each one of you dearly. I'll see you next week. Mm -hmm.